You're listening to the Big Review Ski on Joe, brought to you by Omniplex Cinemas. See it all with my Omnipass. Greetings, movie fans. You're all very welcome to the Big Review Ski with Omniplex Cinemas and my Omnipass. I'm Owen Hardy, and you can forget about your Robert De Niro's. You can forget about your Al Pacino's. You can forget about your Joe Pesci's. You can forget about your Martin Scorsese's. You can forget... That's them all. I only have those four. Because I'm delighted to be joined by the original Goodfellas, the original Irishmen. It's Rory Cashin and Paul Moore. Two living legends in your own right. I like that intro. It was... It was long. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was a good uh, prelude to how long the Irishman is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was the Pacino it. and the De Niro impressions, or are you just doing generic They were mobster? interchangeable. Yeah. You know what? I think I just lost heart in the middle of it. I really, I think I oh. gave the first one Yeah, because if you would have, like, if you, had, if you had it done, forget about it in an Al Pacino voice. Yeah. Like, shout it. Who? Who? Forget about it. You're selling this That's boy's future. Good. That wasn't that was too pretty, bad. That's pretty good. Oh, lads. Okay. If you want to send us your to start Pacino a whole new like accents impressions. <laughs> yeah, accents. It's a whole the whole I card think you is divided. Do the show up. as Pacino for yeah. the next hour. I might be. <laughs> just one of the We've got Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and Martin Scorsese coming up on the show later on, no which is deal. unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul Laverty. One of the other good fellas. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, a good fella. He, he was a really good fella when I chat with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he was, he was, he was good, but uh, yeah, not quite Pacino, De Niro, I, or Scorsese. I, I also feel I have to apologise at the top. Oh yeah, at the top of the show. Finally, Rory's going to apologise for everything. Is it for your shirt? I'm apologise for the shirt. I knew you were going <laughs> to say the shirt. No, because la- at the at the end of last week's show, yeah, I was like, oh, next week we have Bill Condon and Russell. That's Toby. right. But they're actually next week. They're next so week. So for everyone who's tuned in this week, all thinking, the Bill Condon here's fans, the Bill Condon, all the Russell Condiments. <laughs> That's so, what his fan club's called. Uh, you're going to be massively disappointed because there is no Bill Condon, there is no Russell Tovey. Next week. Next week there will or be. Or the bonus bonus feature is actually there to listen to. If you are disgusted with the fact that they're not on the show this week, please get in touch and let us know. You can tweet us. Turn into a hate mail account. It's fantastic. You can send your hate mail to at... Oh, I was going to name some other shows there. At Big Reviewski. Uh, or you can get in touch on Joe Facebook or Instagram as well. Or you can just get in touch with us directly. Paul, what's I your knew Twitter you were handle? going to do that. Just throw well, Rory under the bus. If it's, if it's hate mail, if it's then hate it's mail. at Dion Fanning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, what, what if is If it's hate you? mail, at Owen Doherty. Uh, it's yeah. actually at Doherty, Owen, E-O-G-H-A-N. Yeah. And what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at Roar, like a line. Roar. E. Cashin. Okay, gotcha. Because Rory Cashman was gone. Ah, oh, no. Is another Rory Cashman? <laughs> yeah. The original. Well, my dad is Rory Cashman, but I don't think that's his Twitter account. <laughs> you're <laughs> don't think you're so. a junior. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, I did not. Yeah. I didn't know Esquire. you were a sequel. Esquire. That's a joke. You're a remake, a reboot. Mm. A, a requel. <laughs> a requel. And Paul, what was your one? I'm at L Chief Moore, but I actually want to hear more about Rory being a junior. L Chief. Yeah. Maybe we'll get to that mm. on another... <laughs> show <laughs> but for now we're going to keep on going because what have we got what have we got we've done that that's fine oh it's time for the big question on the big review ski and last week we asked you what's your favorite movie weapon with some great replies here paul you went for the double-bladed lightsaber darth maul uses darth maul's phantom menace double-bladed lightsaber was unbelievable roy you went for the mech suit i'm district nine yeah. <laughs> this trick nine that's the one and not um, a mexican in a suit like you were pushing your agenda of last week I Me- still think it's a great gag. Next it's, 
<laughs> the problem wasn't oh the guy we've been over this. Time. We're doing it again. We're back back in time. I didn't bring it up. But I did. You, you, mm, I did. Mm. And the weapon that I went for was the household item, the office biro pen uh, from the Born Identity as well. We got some great replies. Um, well, tell us on about Twitter. Them. <laughs> they are. Uh, Ian went for the Hot Shots Chicken Arrow from Hot oh, Shots Part nice. 2. Oh, yeah. Bloodiest movie again. ever, Hot Shots. They had the kill count and everything. <laughs> That's right. Unbelievable hill count. Hill count? A lot of hills. Yeah. Kill, so many hills, so many kills. Uh, Sean Boyle went for John Cusack's pen in Gross Point oh, Blank, yeah. which is the original pen fight as well. Uh, Mark went for the nail bomb gun from a razor. Remember they shoot it oh, into yes. the house. Oh, when he gets it in his, he gets it in his, his hand. hand. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's I trying like to keep his voice it was, it, was, it was stupid but fun. And Vanessa Williams was the love interest. Remember her? Mm. She had that song. Oh, and she was in Ugly Betty then. Yeah. Later. Mm. Her song is amazing. We'll find out what the song. I'm trying to remember. Oh, it's gorgeous. It was a sad. It's, it's so a lovely. Sad. It's like it's so melancholy. Orin. Yeah, melancholy. Well, it was yeah. in Beale Street as well. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> no, here we go. Uh, Colin Cosgrove went for the cattle gun thing that Anton Chugu oh, yes. uses in No Country for Old Men. Mm. It's terrifying and it sounds class. <laughs> um, and then Chris McCann went for the greatest movie weapon of all time. It's two cans of Coke in a pillowcase. Uh, Sean Penn knocks the dung out of the body from Highlander and Shawshank with it in a film from 1983 called Bad Boys. Not Michael Bay's Bad Boys. A different one, which I didn't even know existed. No. Until that answer came in. No. So thanks for the idea. So that sounds like a, a dream. I watched <laughs> the clip. Sean Penn looks like a young lady. And he's in prison and he sticks the cans in the pillowcase and then he beats a... Uh, it's Clancy Brown, the baddie from Highlander and Shawshank. Um, mm. So it's a great weapon. So thanks for sending us your weapons. But for this week's big question on the big review ski... Oh, I'm just going to start throwing those. Um, it's over to Rory Cashin. Yes, yeah, Scorsese week. So, real simple, favourite scene from a Scorsese movie. Because I was thinking character, and then I was like, it's too many. Mm. And then I was thinking movie, and I was like, it's too broad, it's been done. Mm. So, scene. Because there are, I'll tell you why, there are some movies that I think aren't great, but have amazing scenes. Yeah. So, like, um, Silence. Nearly, nearly put me to sleep, but there is an amazing scene in it where people are on the crucifixes and the water's coming up. Mm. So he, even at his worst, he has scenes that are better than most people at their best. Okay. So I went with a scene from what I think is his, what I think is his most entertaining movie, which is Shutter Island. Love that film. Love that film. Mm-hmm. When he went horror, he went genre, mm-hmm. which isn't very scorsese e, which we'll get to. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't find the exact scene I was looking for where he actually goes into um, Dachau. Oh, yes. And he starts to hallucinate some of the bodies that are, have been frozen in place um, as being his wife and kids. Uh, so instead, here's a clip from another scene where he's in World <laughs> War II because the one, I, the one I wanted wasn't on YouTube. So in the big question, yes. what is your favorite scene from a Martin Scorsese movie, yeah. this is not your answer. This is as close to my answer as I could find <laughs> on the internet, yes. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> Take a look at this other random it's good, it's, scene. It's fine. But this is a good scene. This is a good scene. This yeah. is a good scene. Max okay. Fonts in those, isn't it? Scene. Perfect. That's Glaubich. You ever uh, seen a death camp doctor? Ein Konzentrationslager. Huh? Ich, ich war dabei, bei der Befreiung von Dachau. Ihr Englisch, ihr Englisch ist sehr gut, fast perfekt. His English really is 
Very good. You hit the consonants a tad hard, though. Yeah, German. Is legal immigration a crime, Marshal? Oh, I don't know, Doctor. You tell us. Now listen, we're gonna need those files on Sheehan and the rest of the staff as well. No personnel files will be released to you, period. We're gonna need those files. Out of the question. Bullshit out of the question! Bullshit! Who the hell is in charge here anyway, huh? Still a good scene. It's decent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not my favorite. <laughs> What's your favorite decent Martin Scorsese scene? <laughs> like, if you want to see it, just watch the whole film. It's in there. But this is, this will have yeah. to do. Which is a good film as well. Paul, do you like it? I love Shutter Island. Really yeah. did. It was always one of those things that, like, the twist at the end, not to give it away, but you go back and watch it and you get different layers to how DiCaprio plays it, which is always interesting to see, particularly yeah. in the scenes with Ruffalo, who's really underrated in that film, I think. No. Great film, great cast. Yes. Great director. What? Yeah. Yeah. What was... He's going to go places. He's going to go places. He's going to be a big star. I went for... I'm trying to remember now. Oh, yeah. This is like last week's question where instead of, you know, doing... You've got five answers. No, but instead of doing like a bit of research on it and you just... Something pops into your head straight away and you go, you know, I've loved this film or this particular scene ever since I first saw that movie. So last week when you were asked the question about favourite... Weapon. Movie weapon, your, yeah. your immediate response was a pen. Was the pen fight from the Born Identity? Loves the pen. Oh, okay, loves, yeah. Owen loves the pen. I love pens so love. much. Look at that. It's, that's true love. Proof. <laughs> um, so this one, and I think this sums up Scorsese uh, or some of his key kind of features or things that people love about his movies as well. It's a scene from Goodfellas. I've heard and of it. It's the scene where. Uh, Ray Liotta is narrating, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but he's narrating the moment that they're starting to find the bodies oh, yeah. who have been taken out. And it starts off with a couple of kids playing basketball down a little back street. Uh, and they, uh, they come over to the pink Cadillac and they find one of the guys and his wife and they've both been shot in the car. Uh, then they find the guy in the back of the meat locker and stuff as well. And it's also this entire scene is really out of talking about the notion of Goodfellas. He's explaining why they're called Goodfellas as well. Plus, he's, it was the first time I heard about the concept of made men in the mm. mafia um, because uh, the latter half of the scene is Joe Pesci um, leaving his house saying bye to his mommy and he's going off to be made. So there's just there's a lot of stuff in it. But then as well, it's the uh, instrumental version of Layla. It's his use of music in the scenes. So you get all of these different elements. The brilliant use of narration... Just the, it is explanatory, but not in a patch. It's like, I remember watching and going, this is amazing. And just mm. understanding way more about the movie. And even watching it back, it still has it. And it's just whenever the music kicks in. So uh, it was this particular scene, Finding the Bodies uh, from Goodfellas. cutting every link between himself and the robbery, but it had nothing to do with me. 
gave Jimmy the tip and he gave me some Christmas money. From then on, I kept my mouth shut. I knew Jimmy. He had the cash. It was his. I know he kicked some money upstairs to Paulie, but that was it. it. Made him sick to have to turn money over to the guys who stole it. He'd rather whack them. Anyway, what did I care? I wasn't asking for anything, and besides, Jimmy was making nice money with me through my Pittsburgh connections. Still, months after the robbery, they were finding bodies all over. found Carbone in the meat truck. He was frozen so stiff it took them two days to thaw him out for the autopsy. Just that moment whenever they open the back of the freezer truck and the camera's just slowly panning in and it's, I love those long shots that Scorsese does as mm. well because you've got so many people acting outside the truck in that scene and they're all talking they've got jobs to do and then it's just that really slow panning and then uh, he's focusing on the meat and it just takes you those couple of seconds for your eyes to focus and then body on a meat hook can't beat it and you're like <laughs> but uh, no unbelievable film unbelievable scene as well there good show Thanks. Thanks, yeah, guys. Like, yeah. uh, Paul, what did you go for? I went for something eerily similar to what you described. There are a lot of the same elements with the long camera movement and use of music. Uh, I went from a scene from Mean Streets. It's when... Uh, I've never Rob- seen me. Have you not seen Mean no. Streets? Really oh. good. It's so, like, I know it's used all the time. They're like raw and gritty. It's just mm. like, like a dirty film. It's uh, when De Niro's character, Johnny Boy, walks into the bar and Harvey Keitel is just sitting and De Niro walks in. He's got, like, a girl on either side of his arm. Rolling Stones playing, which is like the staple of Scorsese stuff, Jumping Jack, uh, Jumpin Jack Flash, which is like the most hardcore opening lyric. I was born in a crossfire hurricane. De Niro walks in all full of pomp, swagger. You just know Charlie Boy is just the guy. But I love the way it's shot as well because it's the bar is so red and like uh, just the slow pan into his face and it's just focused on Keitel as well, a bit who's uh, he's Charlie in the film. But um, it's so good. But also a lot of the film is set in the bar, which is like, you see that coming up again, Goodfellas with, you know, go home and get your effing shine box, and like, oh, Scorsese, great, departed as well, really prompt use of it, but um, no, I love this so much in terms of like his visual style, and uh, the track, the tracking shot, I was very tempted to go for, do you know, the long take, to yeah. the Cabana Club in yeah. Goodfellas, but like, it's too long. Did you? I know, just it's, give uh, multiple, <gasps> yes, but the Paul reason, didn't the, on but it. the reason, whoop, whoop. the reason why, is because I wanted the camera work, but I think, he kind of this he kind of settled into his groove on Mean Street and kicked it on later. Yeah. Whereas this is like the origins of a lot of this stuff. The uh, for want of a kind of uh, the auteur vibe Scorsese has in his films, a lot of his uh, work was established in Mean Streets, and this scene is just so cool. All right. Okay. Thanks a lot, Lord. Thanks a lot for opening my eyes. We talk about penance, and you send us through the door. Well, we play by your rules, don't? Well, don't we?
the other thing I love about that scene is like Robert De Niro being so young in it, he just mm. looks like he's doing his best Pete Doherty impression. Like with the wee hat and kind of the long hair. Or he looks like he's in like an Oasis tribute band or something. Or um, a Clockwork Orange. Yeah, that as well. Mm. Love that band. 1973, Mean Streets. And, he, yeah. and I like, do like that, like Scorsese constantly use the same actors and the same editor. Telma Shulemaker, I think is her name. He, she's edited every one of his films. Yeah, no, he's, uh, as you said, he's going to be a big star. Mm, he's going to go pretty well. far. So let us know your favourite Martin Scorsese scenes from his movies. Or, in Roy's case, just pick a different scene. Just one that you think is grand if as you, well. If you can find it. If, if you can find it, it's <laughs> yeah. out there somewhere. Or just watch the movie. Watch the full movie. Mm. Um, yeah, and you can fire those into us. Uh, now, though, it's time for the big trailer on the big reviews. We will have more bonus Martin Scorsese coming up later on the show, so do stay tuned for that. But now it's a completely gear shift. Uh, it's my turn to pick this week's trailer, and I know in the last few days we've had a brand new Bad Boys trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, Oscar winning, bad, future Oscar winner. Future. It's going to clean up big time. Um, I actually thought this the, that, that new trailer was, was better than the first one anyway. Do you know why? Oh, there's less Martin Lawrence yes. in it. Is that actually <laughs> yeah. the reason? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and there's more Will Smith. And it was raining yeah. bodies. Okay, and raining yeah. bodies. But, uh, so, that was out there, but that wasn't the one that we've gone for this week. We've actually chosen the final trailer for... Don't we? This don't is you. This is all on you. Yeah. We. I have gone for the final trailer for Knives Out, oh, the brand new the film one. from... Uh, Re- what? You picked uh, a good one. You picked a good one. You raging? Yeah, we should have Because I actually did something we. good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it's all on you. We did this together. Uh, so, uh, let's take a look at the clip first, and then we'll chat about the movie. No. If I could pause, why are we doing all this? Let's back it up. The family has desperate motives. And when good people get desperate, the knives come out. You know something. Spill it. I suspect foul play. No. Yeah. What? What? No. <laughs> did you just Google that? I did just Google that. You gotta do this more often. Knives Out coming out 27th of November, so not too long to wait. Very, very excited about this film for like multiple reasons one Ryan Johnson Ryan or Ryan I can never remember I the say way. Ryan Ryan what does Ryan. he say I don't care right. okay uh, Jono I think Jono or Jay um, oh, just like you because he's got I haven't seen Brick but Looper Brothers Bloom I'm a fan of Last Jedi everyone like wise up just people who Anyway, um, but are you fans of Ryan Johnson slash Ryan? Yeah, uh, I did really enjoy Brick. Brick I great. really enjoyed Looper. Brothers Bloom is stylish. It's hit and miss. Yeah, yeah. Like Rachel Vice, I think, is the best thing in there. Um, oh, is that oh, Mr. Rachel Vice yeah. connection. Yeah. There you go. So, and yeah, I actually did enjoy The Last Jedi. Has, like, it's not entirely without its problems. No, everything, no everything on that, that oh, casino God. planet with the horses. That's a bit weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Knives Out, 
we've been excited here, but we haven't really had a chance to talk about it yet before. Um, it's a murder mystery. Uh, it looks like a lot of fun. It's black comedy. And even from the trailer, you do get that sense of like, mm. I love when you're like, oh, I shouldn't be laughing at that moment there. But uh, stunning cast. Basically, the story is Christopher Plummer is the patriarch of this massively dysfunctional family. For his 85th birthday, he invites them to his massive mansion. He is a really successful crime novelist. And on the night of his 85th birthday, he's murdered or, well, he dies and Daniel Craig, uh, Craig is sent in as this kind of masterful private dick to get to the bottom of the case. And everyone's a suspect. And you're just, it's like basically a real life, because uh, <laughs> movies are real life. It's a real life <laughs> version of, of Cluedo, yeah. which is unbelievable. But we're like a very attractive, really talented yeah. cast. Yeah, Daniel Craig, Christopher Plummer, Tony Collette. Chris, Chris Evans. Evans having the time Chris of his Evans. life. Yes. I love Chris Evans when he goes full jerk as well. Like he, he Lucas d- Lee in Scott Pilgrim is yeah. one of his greatest yeah. on-screen yeah. creations. And uh, yeah, I, I like when he's real, because we're so used to see him as like Captain America, who I really liked him in that role, but there's only so much you can do with it. Yeah. But like, when, I, I love him when he's like embraces the jerkiness and he's really good in it. Yeah, and Michael Shannon's in there, mm. Don Johnson. And Anna Armas. Well. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, and Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis. Curtis. Yeah. But, so there's a lot to already love about it, but it did screen at the London Film Festival, and the early kind of reports and word of mouth is that it's super. As you can see on the trailer. Yeah, yeah, where they're just plastering uh, all their positive reviews there as well. So that's it. It's just like that. Oh, I'm so excited to go and see. I know I'm going to have a really good night out at the cinema when I go and see this. Um, so are, are you excited about it? I love a good murder mystery. Yeah. Love, I like anything that I'm like, I feel I have to use my brain to figure out. Totally on board. General rule of thumb, if Tony Collette is in it, it's great. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. even if it's not, She's going to be yeah, great. This is true. Um, yeah, she said, like, actually being engaged and going, oh, it's that person. No, it's that person. I already have a couple of wee theories even from just me looking too. at the trailer. Yeah, me too. Even you mentioned Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm thinking first act, I, I, I think what I imagine with her character and, like, for yeah. her arc and her, yeah, and Halloween and stuff. I'm thinking, she, will they kill her off early? I don't will know. We, will we all go? Will we all dress up as, as private dicks and go to the cinema together? Well, I, I stop using that term. Yeah. People. Private? What's wrong with being private? Well, no, like, Private Dick is my Tinder profile name. So. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't want to. Okie dokie. Do you want to send out your. What's your we've already plugged our Twitter handles. Do you want to plug that one? It truly shows how little you use Tinder. If Do you, you not have like a Twitter, a Tinder handle? No? That's not how it works. What? Yeah. And that's why you're. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Knives Out, 27th of December. Uh, it's going to be an Omniplex and it's very, very soon. Uh, yeah. No, can't wait. Even the way all the graphics, all the design of the trailers so far up until this point, they're just, they're having a lot the of posters. fun The posters. Yeah. Yep. The scarves. And I want to know the why all those knives scarves. are on that throne thing. What's yeah, that about? it does look like the Iron Wh- Throne, all right. Why is that there, yeah. yeah. Why Plus, do they have all the knives? Daniel right. Craig doing a weird accent as well. Whom? Daniel Craig. Oh, He's, yeah. The main act, one of the main actors. Yeah. He's that guy. Um, so yeah, he'd be a great Bond. Great shout, actually. He'd be a really good one. Oh, I keep favorite. him on for the next one. 
I don't know what's coming up in the next part you of the show. You haven't thrown a card away in a while. No, I know. A, there's a little bit here. I want oh, to keep. okay. Um, <laughs> so that was a big trailer here on The Big Review Ski. Nice day for the big interview. And I know we promised you Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, but we also did promise you Paul Laverty, um, who, as we said, is a good fellow in his own right. Uh, he is Ken Loach's writing partner, and he's worked on so many of his Yeah, he's films done over, over a years. dozen films together now. Yeah, so we had a review of their brand new movie, Sorry We Missed You, last week. Uh, if you missed it, you can go back and check out last week's show with a full review there. Uh, Paul, you were a fan of it, though. Yeah, it was good. Um, kind of like I, Daniel Blake, in the sense that not something you enjoy, but you're glad it's made and it has a very powerful message and it's very poignant and topical for the times you live in in terms of the zero-hour contract. But like a lot of Ken Loach stuff, I wouldn't be in a rush to go and see it again, but I'm glad that I watched it. Rory's special name for that genre is? Misery porn. Misery porn. But it's good. It's well acted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's well exactly. Shot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Paul Laverty, because <laughs> people may not know the name, but they mm. would know the work. So what's he? Uh, as you said, a long-term collaborator with Ken Loach. He would have wrote I Daniel Blake, but for Irish viewers, he wrote uh, The Wind That Shakes the Barley and also Jimmy's Hall, which is another Irish chef film that they worked on together. And during the conversation, just because Irish people love The Wind That Shakes the Barley, I remember working in an extra vision when that was released the same night as the Da Vinci Code that Friday, and the place was manic. Like every copy went off the shelves in about ten minutes. That was like 13 years ago, and even to this day, people still love The Wind of Shakespeare Barley, because it's a very good film. So I had to ask him um, about kind of like the fallout from it, because even when it won the Palme d'Or, I remember at the time, a lot of people were kicking up a controversy saying, oh, this is a pro-Republican film. I was like, well, no, it's not at all. It's it's kind of more a historically accurate film in terms of how it represented the War of Independence and then the subsequent Civil War. And there was a big fallout in kind of the British tabloids at the time saying this is propaganda this is lies because obviously Ken Loach is kind of a strong socialist and any stick to beat him with is they always go with it so I asked Paul Laverty about that and he said why do you think that was and he said is it because it took a kind of more historically accurate look at Irish history and uh, his answer was very good because uh, some of the current members of the British government uh, at the time all those 13 years ago were the biggest uh, rabble-rousers of the film. So here's what he had to say about that. Surprise, surprise. And yeah. so, and it was very interesting, actually. It's funny now because there's Michael Gove right at the heart of government alongside uh, Boris Johnson just now, who became our Minister of Education. Him and many others got furious, you know, when the window shut early. I They won the Palme d'Or. Uh, and he lied through his teeth, got absolutely furious about it, you know, hadn't seen it and wrote about it, and uh, so it was kind of a, we had, we had great mischief seeing them frothing at the mouth. Do you think that has something to do with the fact that people kind of don't like no. examining the empire, and I'm not saying all people, but like you have mm. to examine history and this is how it was, oh, yes, and I think it. a reason why people loved when the Shakespeare is that I think Ireland's presented as Paddy's fighting Paddy's when it's it's far more complicated than that. Oh, you have to go back, you know, and I think that's the reason. Because it was about occupation, and what really infuriated them because we changed the narrative on how Ireland is perceived. Because Michael, my sister said, Michael Gove, he hadn't seen the film, and he said, I'm paraphrasing, I don't know the exact words in front of me just now, but he just said, you know, the, the great lie about this film is that the Republicans always had a peaceful way but always chose the violent path. But what happened had in the film with that wonderful scene with Killian Murphy? You know, he refers back to the election in 19, 1918. Sinn Féin wins 75 of 103 seats. It's got a democratic mandate to break from the British Empire, to have independence. That wasn't respected in the election. People who wrote about that 
and manifested and picked up in the streets and thrown into prison. They banned their publications. And it was out of that repression, after a democratic vote, that's when the War of Independence came out. Mm. And Killian Murphy says that to the British officer. And that's what infuriated them. Because they always said, oh, Britain exporting the rule of law, mm. fairness, democracy. But of course, it was one of occupation. And because the, the film changed the narrative a little bit, that's why they froth at them, froth at the mouth. The Daily Telegraph, the Times, and the Michael Goves of this world. That's what you want. The people who you are now that. actually in power in Britain. You know, so when you think today, we've got Boris Johnson, Michael Gove, you know, and, uh, and um, the ERG and Rhys Mogg, now at the heart of government. It just shows you we're, we're really in dangerous times if they win the next election. Mm. What do you think it is about the win that shakes the barley that Irish people love so much? I think... They just love Barley. Barley, yeah. Barley, Big Barley fans. I think it was the first film that really showed how personal it got, like brother against brother. Like, because as much as you don't, like, don't talk about it, like, you know, the treaty is still a very contentious issue. Um, and also, I think there's enough root leeway in the scripts that you can, saw, you can see both points. So it's very nuanced in that, like, if you're, you know, one way or the other, you're like, oh, I read it this way. And they go, no, 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 he's wrong. And that, so it's still encouraging enough debate. And also, I think it kind of showed the black and tans for, for what they were at the time, so, which doesn't, doesn't always get to be seen on screen. And unlike like Michael Collins is still loved, but I think the win of Shakespeare Barley is probably more historically, historically accurate than Collins, because like the car bomb scene and that. Like, car bombs aren't around Michael Collins. What are you doing? Um, do you know and what Irish, else goes around? Women didn't have Irish accents like that either. And Julia Roberts' <laughs> accent, yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas in When the Chicks of Barley, uh, what was around the time? Killian Murphy's cheekbones. Yes, and his eyes. <laughs> what a dream and Liam Cunningham. Yeah. <laughs> and him as well. So uh, it's not the only Irish film that he's obviously had a part to play in as well. He also worked on Jimmy's Hall with Ken Loach. Yes, so the story, but the only man, I think, was deported from Ireland uh, during De Valera's tenure as president of Ireland, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, so he, uh, and he's got Irish family. That was We start the interview, it's up on Joe. You can watch the whole thing. Really fascinating chat about, sorry, missed you, about Hollywood economics, about uh, Irish history. Basically, he's just a really interesting fella. But I asked him, would he want to come back and maybe complete the Irish trilogy because like, there's so many good stories we can tell. And he was very, uh, very positive about that. Uh, so here's what he had to say about that. Not going to put too much work on your plate because uh, I think you deserve a, a fair bit of well-earned time after this project. Right. But I'm pitching. Uh, we've done the Wind of Shakespeare, we've done Jimmy's Hall. We're going to complete the Irish trilogy. Here. Would you be Would you be interested in writing uh, something more, any more Irish stories, or Irish centric stories? Well, I mean, uh, I mean, it was fantastic working in Ireland. Great talent, you know. Um, massive contradictions, you know, wherever you look, you know. But but great talent here. You know, and it was a joy to do both those films. I can't tell you how much we really enjoyed it. Uh, so, you know, who knows? You can, you, you can never... Um, I don't if, I, if you tempt fate by, by predicting the future, you know, I don't know, but, but, but if, if we did, it would be a privilege to come back to do that. Lovely lad, Paul Laverty. One of the most interesting people I've ever met. Like, and even reading up his personal life, he was in, like, Nicaragua during, like, takeovers. He's a human rights lawyer. Just one of those people you could have just talked to for about an hour. It was a real pleasure as company. Two-time Pam Dora winner as well for I, Daniel Blake and win the Shakespeare Barley. So, so he's had a good career. Yeah, yeah, he knows what he's doing. As you said, it is a fascinating interview to mm. watch. Uh, it was brilliant. He actually came in here uh, on set as well. So it's a good like kind of 20, 25 minutes. Um, so if you have the time, go check it out. It's up on, it's uh, on the Joe YouTube, YouTube page, page as well. Um, yeah, no, really, really worth your time. Um, also worth your time, hopefully, is the brand new release um, that everyone has been... It's, 
so highly anticipated. Um, it's based on the book... I heard you paint houses by Frank Brandt, a writer I talked to, actually. Yeah, um, again, that interview is up on Joe as well. Um, but basically, the world uh, has been so excited about this because it's the reunification of uh, Martin Scorsese, uh, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, for the first time in about a decade, people mm. are saying. And, uh, and then you also have um, Al Pacino in there joining them uh, for this particular film, The Irishman. It is going to have a simultaneous release in cinemas. And it's also going to be on... But simultaneous. simultaneous. later, isn't it? Oh, it's slightly yeah. later. So in cinemas first from the... 8th, so uh, this Friday. And Holy then Netflix guacamole. from the 27th. Okay. So let's take a little look at The Irishman. Frank Sheeran. Is that right? Yeah, you said right. Uh, under the contract, management can only fire a driver on very specific charges. So, you ever show up late? No. Do you have any moving violations? No. Do you drink on the job? No. You ever hit anybody? On a job? Yeah. I don't think so. All right, then. We don't have nothing to worry about. But now I'm a man. I want you to meet my cousin, Russell Buffalino. How are you? Hi, nice to meet you. It was like the army. You followed orders. You did the right thing. You got rewarded. I'm a man. A friend of ours is having a little trouble friend at the top. Back then, there was nobody in this country who didn't know who Jimmy Hoffa was. You always charge a guy with a gun. With a knife, you run away. So you charge with a gun, with a knife, you run. This is it. The moment we've been waiting for. Paul's got a correction to make. It's Charles Brandt, the author of I Heard You Paint Houses. I was thinking of the main character in the film, which is Frank Sheehan. And Rory, you will tell us all about his life now. Oh well, no. Oh. I will in a minute. <gasps> but first, we'll have to. We'll have to listen. I know you all came here to listen to me talk. Yeah. But before then, there's a there's a little bit of just you know Martin Scorsese himself. Who? Marty. Big Marty. So I don't know if you know him. He played a fish once in. Uh, oh, Art in, oh, yeah, great fish great, eyebrows. Yeah. Best eyebrows on <laughs> a fish I've ever seen. Strong eyebrow game yeah. on that fish. Things has it has to be said. So uh, Martin Scorsese and his cast for the Irishman were in uh, London for the London Film Festival recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had the chance to go over and actually be in, in the same yeah. room because uh, the footage you're about to see is Rory um, has snuck up quite close. To them, <laughs> and he's zoomed in. You on wouldn't them think it's looking at me, but I could <laughs> yeah. be very sneaky, <laughs> very, very stealthy. Yeah, uh, when he needs to be. Um, but yeah, so what was it like being like? Because I'm sure everybody is like, oh my god, it's three of the biggest, uh, most celebrated filmmakers and actors in the world ever. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, it was fairly impressive because the uh, the London Film Festival showed the film to the press that morning, so that started at. 8 a.m. Uh, finished after Should be finished any second. Finished, <laughs> finished after 11:30 a.m. and then went straight to this press conference. And I would have thought people would have been like, I'm "So tired, and I can't anymore." But everyone's just so hyped to be in the room with them. Uh, and then when they did come out, you are immediately reminded that they are three men in their 70s to, I'm guessing 80s. Yeah, like they they're they're getting on. Uh, and Pacino was there, and De Niro... Physically. Was, yeah, yeah, and De Niro was a bit shoddier, and then Scorsese, he's just like, 
to this day still sharp as a tack. He's got mm. so many opinions as we all know about. But he uh he's just so intelligent and he's so he's so well and highly regarded that like whenever he was talking, like you could barely hear a pin drop in the room, unless he was making a joke, in which case people laughed themselves inside out because Martin Scorsese made a joke. Yeah. And so, they all want to be in his next movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh so it was it was it was it was pretty special just to like be in the room with them. Um but over the course of the press conference, we we've done a few bits on, on the website already on it, but this I think was the highlight for me was when he was talking about how was that your belly? Oh, stomach. Yeah. It was my tummy last week, but I could hear that. They're the like mics. nerves of anticipation. Oh, for Martin Scorsese. Yeah. You and just and love the, the What's Marty going to yeah, say? Yeah. Oh, my belly he's, is he's so excited. That's how, good <laughs> yeah. That's how excited I am. But uh, yeah, he was talking about basically every everything we've been hearing him talk about in the lead up to this film from, uh, you know, theme park movies or Marvel movies to the future cinema to how the Irishman wouldn't have been made without Netflix. Like, this film cost, without a penny of promotion, $160 million, which is a lot for a gangster movie that mm-hmm. isn't set in space. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this was uh, Marty accompanied by Rob and Al talking about, uh, well, everything. I just did a, sorry, Rob and Al are two guys that work in our office yeah. as well, so I just, it's not Robert them. De, it, not them. They do sound like Pacino and De Niro, though. They do. Uh, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and of course the great Marty Scorsese, Fish Eyebrows. The original conception of what a film is and where it's to be seen has now changed so radically that we may have to say, okay, let's say uh, there's a certain kind of film that's made here. Uh, there might be, obviously, virtual reality films. There's holograms. There's all sorts of things that are going to be coming that we don't know. So, in effect, one thing we, one thing that will never, um, uh, uh, something that, that should always be protected as much as possible, and I think will always be there, is a communal experience. And I think that's best in the theater. Now, homes are becoming theaters, too. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's a major change. Um, and I think uh, one has to keep an open mind. You know, uh, uh, there's no doubt. Like um, uh, this, uh, seeing a film with a, with an audience is 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 really really important. Um, there is a problem though, in that you have to make the film, and uh, we, out of, we run out of room in a sense. There was no room for us to make this picture, and. Uh, for many different reasons, I guess, and ultimately there was a financial issue too in terms of the CGI that we did, and the reason why we went to CGI is kind of complicated because at a certain point, if I made the film earlier, we may have, they could have played younger, and then at a certain point we missed that, and then they said, well, use younger actors to play them younger, and I said, well, that's, what's the point of that, and uh, back and forth, and finally CGI, and we tried it, so oh, let's try, let's see what we experiment, open it up. I mean, CGI, to that extent, is really an evolution of makeup. Really. You know, you accept certain norms in makeup. You know that that's, he's not that old, he's not that young, but uh, you accept that as a norm. I mean, you accept the illusion, so to speak. Taking that uh, and uh, having the backing of a company that says, you know, you will have no interference, you'll make this picture as you want. Um, uh, the trade off is it streams with theatrical distribution prior to that. I figure that's 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 the chance we take on this particular project, you know, um, what streaming means, and 
how that's going to define a new form of cinema, I'm not sure. I thought for a while maybe long-form TV is cinema. It's not. It simply isn't. You know, it's it's a different viewing experience. You can look at three episodes, two, four, ten, you know, one, one week, second episode, the second week. That's not... It's a different kind of thing. So there's got to be still... What has to be protected is the singular experience of experiencing a picture, ideally with an audience, you know. Um, but there's room for so many others now, and so many other ways, and there's going to be crossovers completely. Um, the value, how do you, I don't know, say, the value of a film that's like a uh, theme park film, for example, uh, Marvel-type pictures, where, where the theaters become amusement parks, that's a different experience. It's like, it's not even, it's a, I was saying earlier, it's not cinema, it's something else. You know, whether you go for that or not, but it is something else, and they shouldn't be, we shouldn't be invaded by it. Um, and so that that's a big issue. That's a big issue, uh, and we need the theater owners to step up for that. You see, to allow theaters to show films that are narrative films. A narrative film can be one long take for three hours too. You know, it doesn't have to be everybody. It doesn't have to be a conventional beginning, middle, and end. A lot to unpack there um, from Martin Scorsese. <laughs> like, as you said, he just does seem so articulate. Everything is well-reasoned and logical. And, of course, his opinion has been in... Actually, since the London Film Festival, I think it's around that time he did the original um, uh, Empire interview when he was asked, what do you think of Marvel movies? And he said that line about, uh, well, they're like amusement parks or theme park rides, essentially, and they're not cinema for him. He's gone on since to write a New York Times opinion piece, uh, which is really, again, well-reasoned, well-thought-out, and uh, makes a lot of sense as well. And you can, and the whole thing is, like, you know, you don't have to love one or the other of these things. You can love all of these things as well and understand where all of these people are coming from. Well, I think, like, the point is that, like, it does sound a bit, a teeny bit derogatory. It does. Mm. It's like, well... I was like, well, Marty, to be fair, when was the last time you got on an amusement park ride? They're not for yeah. you. Yeah. You can't get on them anymore. Yeah, the, um, I think it was best summed up uh, Pat Noswalt, um, the actor and comedian as well, had a good tweet where he's like, I love Marvel movies, I love comic book movies, but Martin Scorsese gets to have any goddamn opinion about film that he goddamn wants, yeah, which true. also sums it up Unless as well. he goes against Showgirls. Oh my God, that's the next key question. What is Did his he not direct on? Showgirls? <laughs> yeah, I'm pre pretty sure he's an executive producer on it. Um, so yeah, and again, it's quite prophetic, or maybe he knew at the time as well, he's bringing up holograms in movies. Again, that's all in the news this week because there's talk of a new James Dean film mm. where they're recreating uh, James Dean from old photos and old footage of him mm. to create a brand new version of him. But he's also, been... like, he does incredible work restoring films for yeah. the American Archive as well. So he's entitled, like, in terms of the history of cinema... He's an appreciator of like the old school classics, so he he's, he knows exactly what's happening. Yeah, a lot of people are you know? like, "Oh, well, what have you ever done for like yeah. new movies now and stuff as well?" Well, he actually like he, he like, set up foundations, and he, and you he know, produced he the biggest film of the year, Joker, as well. Like, yes, he didn't. No, he didn't. Shock horror. Because wasn't all the talk saying he was attached to director yeah. and said he didn't have the time to do yeah. this and and, then, and then he took himself off as a producer as well. Oh, yeah. Well, it seems like he pretty much had his hands full with mm. uh, The Irishman anyway. Which is a comic book film when we go back to the conversation as well about Marvel stuff. Yeah. The Irishman's oh, a comic Joker. book film. Joker, oh, jo yeah. I, was yeah. like, I was like, The Irishman's yeah. a comic book film? <laughs> um, so, um, your review is up on Joe. 
Yes. Again, as ever, made a point of saying, I don't read any of your work. I appreciate that. Only Paul, I only read Paul's work. Yeah. Um, so what did you I, write? What words did you write <laughs> up? About the, about <laughs> Can I read the, the whole thing out Yes, there? please. Yeah. Uh, well, the, my headline was, the Irishman is like eating a 17-course meal in the world's best restaurant, which people, uh, a lot of people have come up, pe- people who clearly haven't read the article, <laughs> and said, oh, you must have really enjoyed it. And I was like, yes. Think about it. Okay. I did. Mm. It's great. There's too much. It's okay. too much. Um, so what's a running time on it? It's uh, two hundred and eleven minutes. How many days is that? It's Scorsese's it's a, longest it's, film. You, it's a you have you have to use a holiday day because <laughs> if you finish work and you're like, oh, I'll go to the eight o'clock screening. You're not getting out until midnight mm-hmm. with the ads and trailers and stuff, and then you have to wait for the end credits scene to see if they, if, if if the if there's Scorsese's a hilarious put a blooper reel or <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson is, pops up exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, like it's 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 obviously very well made. It's uh, it's the story of Frank Sheeran, who is kind of made a, a hitman for uh, for Joe Pesci's character, um, who then assigns him as a bodyguard to Jimmy Hoffa, who's played by Al Pacino, and then it's the the war of, between the two of them because as Jimmy Hoffa's uh, becomes more and more powerful, uh, he keeps doing stuff that is at odds with what the the gangsters would like him to do and De Niro finds himself in between the two of them. And it's set against the backdrop of like obviously huge actual events like JFK assassination or the Cuban Missile Crisis and stuff like that. So it is told over a number of decades at the very start there is like a huh when you see young De Niro. Uh, it is it is a bit jarring. Uh and then he eventually becomes his, I guess, self, like his own age, and then it goes further on again. Um, but he per- he does perfectly, uh, Scorsese does perfectly kind of capture every decade that he is telling the story in, uh, and it helps that he has some of the best actors ever uh, legitimately at the top of their game. Like, this is the best we've seen Pacino since Jack and Jill. Without <laughs> a doubt. Uh, no, since, Christ, Insomnia maybe? Yeah. I think that's the last thing I kind like of remember. Oh, one, oh, something, oh, two. Oh, it was around then. Yeah. And then De Niro. Uh, gosh, well, De Niro's actually pretty good in um. What in was Joker. It? In Joker. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm thinking more like a lead role. Dirty Grandpa. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then Pesci, we haven't seen in the longest time. And then yeah. like the, even the supporting cast is insane. Like Harvey Keitel is in it for a few yeah. minutes. Jesse Plemons. Uh, Jesse, Jesse Plemons, Plemons yeah. is in Brilliant. it. Um, Anna Paquin. Ray Romano is that him yeah. there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anna Paquin. Ah, all right. So she is De Niro's daughter, and is, if I'm remembering correctly, does not have a single line of dialogue in the entire film. Really? What? Not one line of dialogue in the entire film. I thought she, that she actually speaks in the trailer, but obviously that doesn't mean anything. Whether she's uh, speaking in the in the actual movie or not. So yeah, like it is. It is specifically focused on basically these three these three men and right. Okay, and how they have uh, kind of course corrected American history by just the people they decided either who were or weren't worth killing or supporting yeah um and it's it's great like it's there's nothing the only thing wrong with it is that it's so fucking long <laughs> it's really really long like I remember I was like right purposefully don't check your watch yeah. when you're watching this uh, and just see how long you can get through it and I was like I'm doing it it's great ah 
must be nearly over now. Still an hour and a half to go. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I really felt the last hour. Like you really feel it. Okay. Uh, and I'd be curious to see, because it's so long, if people would just hold out. Like, oh, I'll watch it on Netflix and I'll watch half yeah. today and I'll watch another half tomorrow. Or if, you know, film mm. fans would be like, no, I'll spend the entire weekend in the cinema watching this because uh, yeah. that's what you have to do. I think this one feels like a bit of uh, event cinema as well because all of these people have come together again yeah. uh, and especially because there's been so much hype surrounding it. And again, we know from like, you know, the stories that you did when you were chatting to the Arthur mm. or the, the Arthur, the author or any of the previous trailers, um, and people are, are dying to see this. Jimmy Hoffa's life is so interesting as well, yeah. the mystery around them, and just how instrumental he was for that era of American politics as well. Um, I just, the main draw for me is Pesci coming back. I, don't, I think it was like Meet Joe Young, was like the last film he did. Like that the monkey one? one? Yeah. <laughs> he did, he did a voice, job. which is like, I nope. think that was like 98 or something like that. So like, uh, you see him with like Casino and everything, Goodfellas, he's just... Wait, Fantastic. meet Joe Young. Is it, wait, meet Joe Black. Meet Joe that's Young. That's Brad Pitt. Joe, yeah. That's Brad Pitt. Meet okay. Joe Young is the monkey one. The Brad Pitt, Pitt big gorilla one. Brad Pitt isn't Joe Pesci. Gotcha. Yeah. Thanks for clearing they, that. They up. didn't de-age him that much. You come to the big review ski for all your film facts. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but you would recommend it. Yeah. 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 Just. Just put aside the time. Put yeah. Take your annual leave. Yeah. Tell your family holiday, you love them. Say bye bye. Like just let everyone know you don't need to send out. The police to search party. <laughs> yeah. I am okay. Rory has been missing for 24 hours now. Because I've he's, watched the first half of the he's, he's in the cinema. He hasn't got whacked, by, or killed by a hitman. Yeah. Like, like the I think, would we make a gang? I, I would say, I can see, oh, you're definitely the Pesci character, 100%. Because I'm one. Smaller, feisty. What, 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 what am I, a clown? What, do <laughs> oh, I no, amuse no, you? Please like, why? Be. Explain that. Oh, why would terrifying. I be Pesci? No. Why? You actually said before this, or you made a life choice not to be funny. That's true. Yeah, no, I think it's working out really well for you. Show. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's not the only film released this week, The Irishman. Some people made the foolish decision of going up against it. But what are those movies like? The first one is The Aeronauts, starring Felicity Jones and Eddie Redmayne, reunited as well. I mean, everyone's talking about The Irishman and all those guys getting back together. But the theory of everything. Uh, which was released a few years ago, sees uh, the two British actors come together. Um, they're not a married couple in this one. One's a scientist and one's a, a lady who loves balloons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Who um, doesn't like balloons? But yes, yeah, so let's take a look at the aeronauts before we get Paul's full review. I believe there are answers in the sky. Up there is where I have found the greatest happiness. To predict the weather could save hundreds of thousands of lives. We are scientists, not fortune tellers. You'll get your chance. They'll realise your worth. I think they know my worth quite well enough. Prove them wrong, James. I'm a really good aeronaut. I want to use what I'm good at. Women don't belong in balloons. And she makes such a show of herself. Miss Wren, I need to make studies of the air. I'm not a coachman for hire. You are the only person who could fly us higher than anyone has ever been. So will you? Paul, the aeronauts, what's it about? It is, as you said, about uh, two characters spend a lot of time in a balloon together. <laughs> Brilliant. Love That's it. it. Sign me up. Yeah. It's like gravity. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, there is more to this film than just uh, their time together, because that would get real really quickly. Yes, uh, you mentioned Felicity... Um, Felicity Jones. Jones, Jones is Amelia Wren, who's a pilot who is getting over some personal 
grief in her life, but she's called to adventure. She can't just shake that from her from her blood. And she teams up with Eddie Redmayne, who is a, a meteorologist in the budding fields. Uh, it's a true story. A uh, guy called James Glacier, which is a great name for a meteorologist. What? Glacier. That's um, it's James like, Glacier. Like someone who grows up to be like uh, a male stripper or something. His name is... I don't know any male stripper names. Joe Sixpack. There you go. Own yeah. pole. Own yeah. pole. There that you works. Go. He brought his own pole. Nice. <laughs> nice. I like it. Side business. So, uh, yeah, so he's kind of in the budding field of, of meteorology and he has a lot of theories about how the atmosphere works and he's kind of um, not looked down upon in the scientific community but kind of maybe seen a bit of a laugh. Sorry, your ideas are too wacky. We're not going to go with you. So he's a young man looking to prove himself whereas... Uh, Felicity Jones's character is um, trying to get over trauma in her own life. Her husband died in a in a ballooning accident. He fell out. Uh, so she's called to adventure. Their personality is very different. He's kind of more guarded and bookish. She's more out there and um, and live on the edge. Um, like as you'd expect, a, a film like that so much in the sky. It's beautiful to look at, but I found it actually quite gripping as well because there's a lot of like the drama and the turmoil of being that high. Uh, and in these horrific conditions, uh, like having to climb outside the blimp, there's, a moment, there's one moment that's actually quite tense. Um, it's a really nice Sunday afternoon, like four o'clock film, uh, directed by Tom Harper, who did Wild Rose, which I really liked, the one with Jesse oh, Buckley. Oh, with Jesse Buckley and as well. Okay. Peaky Blinders as well, a few episodes there. It's great to look at. It's well shot. I've just found that the bits in the balloon are really interesting, but they give you a bit of their backstory in terms of what gets them in the balloon in the first place, whether that be the love of adventure or science. It's in those and they, it's in those scenes when it kind of just loses me a little bit. But it does have some interesting things to say about, like, why like we should listen to scientists. You know, they're not quacks, where it's just kind of oddly topical. Like, we listen to these people, they know what they're doing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, as you'd expect, the two of them are, have a really good chemistry if you look, watch the theory of everything, which I really, I really, really liked. They're, they're seamless together. I mean, they're both really good actors. Um, yeah, it's, it, it just fits into that, like, lovely Sunday five o'clock film vibe. Um, yeah, it's it's perfectly, perfectly fine to watch, yeah. You said four o'clock earlier on, and now <gasps> you're saying five o'clock. So I'm wondering, what time day. of the day should I be? Like, because I've just, like, where? what time of day should I be watching this? Sunday. Sunday, that's yeah. it. <laughs> Sunday, after your week-long uh, viewing of The Irishman. Mm. Roy, what did you think? I, uh, yeah, the same, everything in the balloon was pretty great. I hated Eddie Redmayne in this. Did oh, you? really? Oh. Yeah. Do you his like him character? anyway? No. Okay, well, there I you go. I don't, but I specifically didn't like his character in this. I thought he was a bit of a knob. Okay. Uh, I think he's just insular, I, bookish, like, like a nerdy type. No. They don't really have like good this, social I'm skills. Not, I'm not going to get into nerdy why, knob. but like stuff happens his, with his character later on where I was like, you, we knew this was going to happen and you're still being a knob. Oh, with okay. the, pushing the pushing the limits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I'm not going to go any further. Yeah. But uh, I thought she was... I think it's more her film than his. Okay. Uh, she well, has, that's a good thing. She has because the best she's, scene in mm, the film as well. Like Felicity Jones, uh, obviously she was the lead in Rogue One as Monster well. Monster Calls as well. She's um, really underrated in that. Yeah, yeah, she's super in that. And Chalet Girl. Have you ever seen Chalet yeah, Girl? Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, it's great. Like that's a, I know you'll be watching this on the Sunday. That's a Saturday morning type movie. You've we got your whole weekend plan. Yeah, this is amazing. Um, so the Aeronauts, out, a nice alternative to the Irishman anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, go and see the Irishman. Well, okay. I mean, it's surprisingly tense and really yeah. good when it's in the bloom, but when it goes in the past, it loses you a bit. But it's perfectly So the action fine. is more impressive than I'm getting from the trailer anyway. Yeah, just, and I'd say the, the bigger the screen, the better, because it is like genuinely 
when they're up there, it's like beautiful to look mm. at. It's very okay. impressive. And also, I'm fed up. Like scientists who are like, ha ha ha, you idiot. You think you've got new ideas, you you idiot. It's like, <laughs> you're all scientists. You're all here because you all have new ideas. Because you all love it. Yeah, like yeah. if someone has an idea, don't be like, idiot. And what, <laughs> That's not going to work. And why is it that every like scientific meeting in films is like, there's about 100 people there and they all show. Is that, it never, that's is the way it like used to be. There's always like, I have this idea and everyone else is like, ah! and then one of them gets up and walks out and then they all go yeah. up and walk out. <gasps> okay. That, that's lazy. Debunking okay. the cliche is on the big review ski. Yeah. Just, film don't, film. Be, just don't be lazy. Okay. It's lazy. And I'm sick of it. <laughs> but do go see it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. It's out cinemas <laughs> this week. Uh, our other big release this week is The Good Liar starring... Helen Mern and Ian McKellen, who are like way older versions of Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones. Uh, so far as one is male, one is female, and they're all from the same place, basically. England. Yeah, that's the one. Um, Ian McKellen and Helen Mern are way better, though, than Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones. We just don't like Eddie Redmayne. Is that what we're saying? That seems to be what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, what's The Good Liar about? Uh, the Good Liar is Ian McKellen is an aging con man who... Uh, has designs on Helen Mirren because he finds out that A, she is uh, recently single and B, has a lot of money uh, left to her. So he starts to charm her and uh, has a bit of a long con running with a few of his associates. Uh, uh, but there is a... Uh, see? Mm. Here's mm. the thing. A bump. Uh-huh. There, as we all know, Whenever anyone's like, oh, it's a heist movie, or it's a conman movie, or anything that involves uh, this kind Treachery. of plot, you're immediately, you're like, okay, something. Second guessing I have to, I don't trust it. anything I'm looking at yeah. here. I don't trust him, I don't trust her. Mm. So going in with as little knowledge as possible is for the best, because I, I, was, I was in that boat and I was like, okay, all right, so he's, all right. And then as the film was going on, I was like, Okay, I didn't see it going in that direction, and I appreciate it. Okay, not knowing it's going in that direction, so I'm not going to tell you what direction that is. Okay, well, what we are going to do is show a wee clip from The Good Liar. Be careful, but be be so careful. Like, avert thine eyes. You don't have to watch it if you don't want. Like, come back in about don't 30 listen. seconds, or don't even, or don't listen. Of course. Um, so this is The Good Liar, starring Ian McKellen and Helmer. Which is why I must now confess to you a deception of my part. My name is in fact not Brian, it's Roy. To the future. How much do you think she's worth? Nearly three million pounds. You're going to take the lot? You bloody bet I'm going to take it all. Is that your grandson? It's too soon to be getting so close to him. I've grown very fond of you. Do you know who you are? You're the only person on this planet who makes me feel that I'm not alone. I know things about you, who you really are. You don't want to do this, Roy. It's the game. It's the adrenaline rush. What if it is? Obviously, these two actors are amazing. Obviously. And it seems from what you were saying as well, because I was kind of half listening to you, you... doesn't read you. He yeah. doesn't listen to you. Like, oh, man. Just, you just look at Rory. Just, camp, just camp, take just, him in. That's like what the it tall is. glass of water yeah. he is. <laughs> 100%. So they, it obviously like threw you, not threw you a little bit, but it kept you on your toes when you were watching it. It was unpredictable. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's uh, directed by Bill Condon, who was normally like his last big film was Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he's also directed like Chicago. And did he, did he, he do Memoirs of Geisha? Or was that, uh, that Rob Marshall? It was Rob Marshall. Marshall but like he has made bad films too. Like he did the f- <laughs> uh, the Fifth Estate. The oh, the Cumberbatch one. That was yeah. quite bad. Um, so yeah, so he's like obviously he's like I'm gonna make something small and insular. So it's basically just the two of them, and then the third character who's Russell Tovey, who is Helen Mirren's uh, grandson in the movie, not in real life, um, who is. Just completely distrusting of Ian McKellen. He's like, what are you doing over here? You stay away from my granny just because yeah. she's rich. Um, so yeah, like it's two great actors, a sometimes good director. Uh, and as the plot is building up, you're like, okay, okay, okay. I got it. I think, I think I've got it. Uh, and then it does this weird, it, then it does, the rug pull happens. And A, you'd never guess it. You'd like, you'd, there's not a chance in a million years you'd see, you'd see it coming. And B, I didn't like it. Okay. I didn't I didn't like the direction the film went in. Cause if you're doing if you're doing a twist, you can't have it be such a twist that is completely out of the realms of anyone being able to see what direction the film's going in. Uh and that kind of is what happened here. Okay. Uh but even after that, it's still great to see the two of them act off each other and like there's a there's kind of a I, I just love a good mystery. I love, yeah. and I, I love the setup, but the problem is when you love a setup, you have to want to love the payoff. Mm. Yeah. And I didn't love the payoff. We had a simple favor last year with Blake Lively and yes. Anna Kendrick mm. as well. Yes. Which, feel, just from purely from the description, because I haven't seen a good liar or the good liar, um, feels kind of similar as well, where, oh, very, uh, a lot of intrigue, a lot of mystery. And then whenever the changes start happening, you're like, what the heck's going on here? This isn't. This it, did you see a simple favor? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what did you think of? I really liked it, and I especially like the kind of the first forty-five minutes. I was like, "What is going on here?" Yeah. And even the design and the style of it, uh, and then a few things happened. I was like, "Ah, don't be at that, lads." <laughs> don't be at that. Yeah, because you you feel you could have come up with a better well, a better direction than <laughs> than what the film did. Not me. I'm very humble. Sure. <laughs> so well. But yes, you're right. Smarter people than you would have <laughs> yeah. would have come up with a, a better direction for the film to go in. And I I felt that watching this, I was like, oh, this maybe or this or this. And then when it tells you, you're like, what? Okay. Uh, but having said that, there's still there's still some fun to be had. It's still entertaining. It's short. Okay. It's not three and a half hours long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, doesn't have any red man. Doesn't. <laughs> That's, what Two plus. pluses right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like it's it's diverting, but it's not going to be on either of their best ofs. Okay. Come to the end of their careers. <laughs> I was going to say whenever they die. Okay, that's nice. Or that. Well, well I said that that a nicer well. way. That is much nicer. So if you're a fan of uh, movies that have the word the at the start of them, you've got The Good Liar, you've got The Aeronauts, and you've got The Irishman all out in cinemas this week. So you can go and check those out. Um, if you would like some free cinema tickets, then we have some to give the away. The free cinema tickets. The free cinema tickets to The <laughs> Irishman. Um, so it's time We're just for... We're going to work in there <laughs> yeah, now all the sentence, time. aren't we? I yeah. feel weird saying it. It's time for the competition on The Big Review Ski. And uh, can we bring up last week's high clue please, which uh, got a great response. Loads of people, again, getting the answer. They as, all got my life. That's your life? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. the Paul here, uh, of Weekend course, of is Paul Murray. So, well, just the first word. It loses you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so last week's high clue was Paul's pals fight in pub. Uh, 
Red Dead Redemption with Liz, Funky Flatmate Malls, and the answer, of course, was... We haven't mentioned this film ever on our show. We actually haven't mentioned it this week, which is good. Uh, we've had a bit of a Shaun of the Dead feast over the last couple of shows. Um, it was, uh, of course, Edgar Wright's uh, Rom Zom Com, or whatever order that goes in. Uh, Shaun of the Dead, starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Paul's Pals Fight in Pub, Red Dead Redemption with Liz, and Funky Flatmate Malls. Uh, Paul... Uh, was in reference to the Seth Rogen film with Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. Um, his pals are Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Uh, they fight in the pub because the two lads have an argument in the pub, but they also set up shop in the Winchester whenever the zombie invasion happens. And they're basically uh, sieged in there uh, along with their pals. And, and the music. And the witch and, and good music as well. Um, the middle line, Red Dead Redemption with Liz. Red, because you've got red on you, um, is one of the most famous lines, and it's brilliantly used in that Edgar Wright way where there's callbacks to earlier parts in the film. Uh, dead, because of all the zombies. Redemption with Liz, because Simon Pegg's girlfriend, uh, Liz, in the movie, um, he's trying to... They've just broken up, and it's not that he's trying to get back with her, but he, he's trying to save her, basically, so the redemption there. And the final line was a reference to Peter Serafinowicz, who plays their funky flatmate um, in the movie, because uh, he keeps saying funk all the time. He can't curse, so he's, I have to get off of work at funkin' four in the funkin' morning. Um, so he's funky. Why and can't he curse? I don't know why he doesn't. He chooses not to. He okay. says Funkin instead of the other F word. Um, and he mauls because he becomes a zombie then. Uh, but he also voiced Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace. So there's a wee connection there to his career as well. So, Shaun of the Dead. Do mauls again? What, what, like, what did I do? <laughs> like, say mauls, it? Did I mauled? What did I <laughs> And then <Mauled>. he mauls. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so the answer was Sean of the Dead. And I want to say congratulations to a guy called Insane Ian. Um, who probably, His parents kind of... Yeah, set him up for a fall there. Well, um, well he's a winner. He's a winner on the big review scheme. I mean... So tell your parents that, Insane Ian. Um, and he's probably given us the best answer we've ever had, which is saying something. Um, he wrote Sean of the Dead, obvs. I may know a thing or two about it. And proceeded <gasps> to put a picture of him dressed up as Shaun of the Dead. And that's that's great. Sure. <laughs> but he's with Simon Pegg as well, which is amazing. And that is some effort to go to. Could be a stunt double. To just, <laughs> yeah. Um, and they actually look, he doesn't have the red on him. Maybe that comes later on in the night. Um, but, uh, I mean, as effort goes you know, in terms of submitting an answer, to track down Simon Pegg, to get dressed <laughs> up as Shaun of the Dead, yep. and then do that. Because yep. when I read it first, it was kind of like, Shaun of the Dead, obvs. I was like, oh, don't be such a, don't be such a prick about it. And then you're like, oh, but look at the picture. It's unbelievable. So, so now that's every, really, every answer now yeah. in Twitter, we're only accepting pictures with the stars of the film. Yes, please. Uh, so that's really raised uh, the bar. So, uh what oh, Walk the Line. So it should have been Johnny Cash and... Joaquin uh, Phoenix and yeah, Reese Witherspoon. Definitely. Down. Yeah, 100%. Of course, not Johnny Cash, because he's dead. Yep, that would be impressive. His career ended. R.I.P. in peace. Um, so yeah, Sean and Deb was last week's one. You ready for this week's one? No. Start tracking down those stars, people. Here we go. You've got a week. <laughs> <laughs> a week to get them. Uh, that's our challenge to you. Uh, or you can just submit the answer on Twitter, Instagram, or I Facebook mean, as well. Yeah. Um, so this week's one is Museum Threesome. That's my other Tinder problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, baby sister is older. Righteous dudes run down. 
And in the third and final line, righteous dudes, dudes is dude apostrophe <laughs> s. Run about. What are you laughing at? Say dude. Dude. Dudes. <laughs> dude. Righteous dudes run down. What's I the really word? I like the way you say dude. What? Dude. Dude. Dudes. dudes. <laughs> righteous dudes run down. <laughs> anyway, that full uh, <laughs> high clue again is museum threesome. Here comes. Baby sister is older. He's about to say, wait. Righteous dudes run down. <laughs> yes. Um, so if you think you know the answer to that, please submit it to Emily. Do you have some Omniplex tickets? Offer grabs for all you dudes out there. And dudettes. Dudes. Uh, dudes. Um, any ideas? Some. some. I think you should say dude again. That's a good idea. <laughs> maybe. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Join us next week to find <laughs> out. Um, coming up on next week's show, actually, we have so Last excited. Christmas. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to have a full uh, review of that movie. Plus, as well, as well, as well, as well. Oh, Bill Condon. Finally. Director and one of the stars of The Good Liar as well. God, there was a lot jam-packed into that show there. Nearly as long as The Irishman. Nearly. That's done. Save the best for last. That was the Vanessa Williams song. I was. Can you give us a chord of it? Just one chord? Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We can't play it for legal reasons, but uh, myself, Paul... And Rory are going to just have a little dance here ourselves. You can hear it in your... I can hear it in my head, though. I like that song. It's beautiful. It's really wintry. It's the right time of year for that song as well. Yeah. If only there was a film coming out next week with, like, winter and music in it. If only. We don't want to say the C word. But uh, that's coming up next week. (laughs) Right, that's everything. Uh, Say bye-bye, dudes. Bye, dudes. dudes. Bye, dudes. See you next week. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Please. Uh, we're playing the tune, and that's you probably can't hear it. But and you probably can't hear what we're saying because we've cut out the we, audio. We can get like a second of it. A second. <sighs> There's a nice chord change. Can we turn up the bass? Is lovely. You're listening to the Big Review Ski on Joe, brought to you by Omniplex Cinemas. See it all with my Omnipass.